Happy Mother's Day. So good to be together. Man, I love you guys so much. It is such a joy to gather together on Sunday mornings and Saturday nights. Um, But really, happy Mother's Day to you mothers in the house this morning. And I love that we, uh, well, Carlsbad Flower Fields, eat your heart out, huh? Right here. Um, I love that Uh, I showed up and it was a wall of flowers this morning um, because I was going to say moms remind me of flowers. Um, They just bring so much care and fragrance and beauty um, and nurture in our lives. What will we do without our mothers? So we're so thankful. It's great. We have a day to honor mothers. And in the same way as this can be such a celebratory day, Um, For so many, it's also a painful day for so many, and there's a lot of emotion this kind of day can hold, Um, especially if you've recently lost your mom or or if you didn't get the care that you needed um, from your mom growing up, or if you just feel the pain of, wow, on this day just reminds me I'm not a mom yet. You know, there's just so many emotions that this day can bring, and God sees where you're at in it. He sees where you're at in the journey, and he wants to meet you in that place of pain. So thanks for being real with where you're at and showing up this morning and pressing into the people of God, the presence of God, because God really cares, and he wants to meet you in that place this morning. So bless you moms in Jesus' name. Um, Well, today is a message actually for all of us, but I did want to start with a Mother's Day true or false quiz. I was super inspired by Kendall's uh, multiple choice, and now we're going to go true or false, okay, this morning. So here we go. I have six questions for us. Number one, true or false, Abraham Lincoln, little background music, wow, there we go, made Mother's Day an official national holiday during his presidency. Okay, raise your hand if it's true. Okay, raise your hand if you're false. Uh, Yep, way to go, majority false. It is false. It was Woodrow Wilson in 1914. Way to go, Woodrow. Thank you. Um, All right, number two, true or false, Mother's Day is the biggest holiday in the United States for flower sales. True? False. It is false. You'd think, right? Especially after today. No. Uh, Valentine's Day takes the cake, okay? But long-distance phone calls, highest number of long-distance phone calls. America, way to go, calling mamas, doing something right. Okay, number three, the carnation is the traditional Mother's Day flower in the United States, whether you like that or not. True or false? True? False. Uh, It is true. It is true. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the tradition started in 1906 when Anna Jarvis started wearing her mother's favorite white flower. It was a white carnation. She wanted to honor her mom. So, AJ started a trend. All right, here we go. Number four. In recent polls, Mother's Day ranks third in terms of most popular holidays. True? Well, we got one. We got a few more. Number or, number three. Uh, false. All right, you are wrong. It is in a recent poll. It is true. I mean... 
maybe I yeah usurped Thanksgiving. I'm like, okay. I mean, wow. Um, yep, we had uh, what was it? It was Christmas and Easter. So right behind Christmas and Easter. All right, number. Five. On average, a mother will perform 6,300 diaper changes by a baby's second birthday. True? You don't know. You don't know. False. Okay, a lot of you guys aren't answering. You are shying away from risking whether you're going to be right or wrong. All right, it is false. It is 7,300. That is a lot of bottom changes. And dads, you might be saying, hey, I did 3,000. Yeah, at least half. We believe you. All right. We believe you. At least half. Number six, totally in our house. Okay. Number six. Only, no, you, you helped a lot. Um, only 5% of babies are born on their due date. And the boy babies outnumber the girl babies. True? False. Okay, you're right. Those of you that said true, it is true. Only 5%, and boys, way to be on time. Getting a bad rap for being late. Nope, it's the girls. All right, well, I think it's safe to say that most of us really love to know the truth about something. We so long to know the real story, the truth. And I think there's something in us that, that maybe God put in us to search out the truth. I used to love as a kid to read mystery novels and, and see the story uncovered of what really happened. Man, but we are living in a time where truth is being buried and stifled. But there's such hunger, I believe, in us and so many to know the truth. And today, the title of my message is, You Will Know the Truth, and the Truth Will Set You Free. I believe that it is the destiny of every believer to be freed, to walk in freedom, this isn't just for the back right corner over there. If you've walked in and sat in the back corner, it is your destiny. No, it's for every single one of us in this place who believes in the name of Jesus. Our destiny is freedom. And we see this in the life of Jesus and what Jesus came to do for us. You see in Luke 4, actually in verse, in chapter 3, it says that Jesus was baptized in water, just like we saw last week, only he, he was baptized in the Jordan, Jordan River, a little cooler than a hot tub. Um, and he was baptized in water, and he was actually baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And then... It says Jesus, in chapter 4, verse 1, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So Jesus goes out and he goes to the desert, a 40-day fast. That is a rough 40 days where you're tempted by the devil. Well, Jesus returns to Galilee. It says, in the power of the Spirit. 
And Jesus began to go to the synagogues teaching in the synagogues. And he goes into the synagogue in uh, Nazareth, and he's given a scroll out of Isaiah 61, and he begins to read these uh, prophetic words, this promise out of Isaiah 61. And we see it in Luke 4.18. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to set us free. He purchased our freedom on the cross. And I believe that there is a story, my first point this morning, is that there is a story of freedom that is to be written on the tablet of your heart. I want to read Luke chapter 8, verse 31 through, um, or I'm sorry, John 8, 31 through 41 together this morning. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. Only the father, the only father we have is God himself. And then in verse 32, it says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God and I have not come on my own. God sent me. And later on in verse 44, Jesus says um, that the devil is actually the father of lies. See, there is a story of freedom that's to be written on the tablet of your heart. I believe there's a story being written in heaven on your life. I'm going to break this point down for you. There's a story that's being written in heaven for you. I'm going to read a few scriptures where I get this. Psalm 139, 16, it says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Daniel 7:10. it references this book that's being written in heaven. heaven. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15, it says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Jesus, uh, not Jesus, Robert mentioned um, the book. <laughs> you are like Jesus. Um, that one's funny. Um, Robert did a series recently on heaven, and he mentioned this book of life. If you believe in Jesus, that Jesus came and died for your sins on the cross to set you free. Your name is actually written in this book of life. And not only that, but your story is being written in heaven. And I believe there's a story that God wants to write on your heart. This is a heart. And I have this. I know it doesn't look like a heart. It's really shaggy. But it's a heart. Um, and I, I'm talking about the heart this morning. Freedom in our heart. You know, so often we want to talk about freedom to our actions. And, yeah, that's so important. But that's to follow. You know, it's freedom in the heart that God wants to bring. God loves you. God loves you. He loves your heart, and he values your heart. But your heart needs, needs help. Sometimes we get defensive about our heart, and we want to say, why are you questioning my heart? But man, our heart needs God to touch it and free it. Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. This holds the wellspring of life. Everything we do flows from our heart. And our actions are a great indicator of what's actually truly going on in our heart. Well, maybe you've never thought about um, your, your heart being a tablet, okay? The tablet of your heart. I want to share a few scriptures with you this morning. Proverbs 3, 3, it says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 2 Corinthians 3, 3, it says, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Jeremiah 17, 1, it says, Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their heart. Then in Jeremiah 31, 33, it says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. See, in the old covenant, the spirit of God would come down and write on uh, stone tablets. But then under the new covenant, which Jesus established, we see that God wants to write by his spirit on the tablet of our hearts. God is writing a story on your heart. And the question is, are you going to let him write his story for your life? Or are you going to let the devil, the father of lives, write a story that was never meant to be for your life? 
You see, we're under one of two fathers, the father of lies or God, our father, who is truth, who holds truth. We wouldn't have truth without God, our father. Maybe you're not quite convinced yet that you have a story that you're special enough to actually have a story that God wants to write on your heart that's to be knit in with his greater story of freedom for us as his people. Well, Hebrews 12, it says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. You see, God has a specific precious race for you to run. You know, I've run several races um, in life, and it's not very impressive. They're very short races, uh, 5Ks. But every race that I've run, the markers were set out for me. I I didn't have to go three hours before and and set out my markers. Okay, I'm going to run here and then there. All I had to do was show up to the race and run the course that was marked out for me. And we see here scripturally, that's actually what we're to do. We aren't supposed to go ahead of God and say, okay, God, then I'd like to get this job on that day. And actually, I'd like to have this uh, situation happen. No, God says, hey, look, I have a race that's actually marked out for you. I'll set the markers and all you have to do is show up and fall in love. Receive my love and it's going to be better than you could even imagine. You know, it's very important as you run, uh, it, your, your, the health of your heart is very important, really determines the distance you can run. And we need to understand um, that our heart actually starts in a place of captivity. See, in verse 32... Jesus says to the believers who believed him, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That means we need to be freed. And sometimes we actually forget that we need freedom. You know, we come to a a place of believing and, and we experience this life. We experience the presence of God and we're, we're undone and we feel free. But actually, it's like the bars have come back, but our heart's still in captivity. And some of you guys still don't believe that yet. Um, but here, the truth is, we start as captives to our sin. We see this in, in the scripture. We need a savior. You see, these, these Jewish men believed him to the Jews who had believed. And maybe you're sitting here today and you believe. You actually believe that Jesus came to die for you. John 3, 16, it says, for whoever, uh, God sent his son, that whoever would believe in him shall have eternal life. When we believe, our destiny is heaven. We get to live forever with him, but God doesn't want us to stay in a place of just believing and then going to do our own thing. 
and maybe not reflecting his glory like we're called to do as the people of God, he wants to move us to a place of discipleship. It says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Maybe you tasted of freedom when you believed, and then you were quickly disappointed as you then felt a captivity to some of the places that you were trying to walk free from. You know, I got saved when I was four years old. Um, as a little girl in my home, my parents led me to Jesus. We were church people. We were always, always at church on a Sunday, even Wednesday nights. It was really our second home. As a little girl, I, I wanted Jesus to come into my heart. But we, we didn't grow up in a church that really talked much about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit um, in, in our lives. I didn't really think of the Holy Spirit as my comforter, my advocate. It wasn't something I knew how to access. And God in my mindset became very distant. And I really gave in to rebellious behavior, especially later in my high school years, in my first year of college. I go off to college and, and really partnered with the ways of the world. And at the end of that year, um, my parents had asked that I, be I begin to look for other uh, colleges because they realized I was living in a very worldly lifestyle, and they wanted to help me. And they said, we'd like you to go somewhere else. We'd like, we'd like you to maybe go to a Christian school. And so I, of course, in my rebellious minds, I'm thinking, no way, but I'll apply. And then um, there was a mission trip that summer with our church. And so they said, we'd love for you to go on this mission trip. And so I went. And at the time, um, I grew up in Chicago, and so we're in Chicago, and um, I flew into San Diego, California for this mission trip and drove over the border, in, border into Tijuana, Mexico. So I spent a week in Mexico, and um, halfway through this trip, I have an encounter with God. Now, I, I'm with a church that we don't have encounters with God. And I'm off by myself a little bit, just in our campground and getting a moment away. And I, God shows up. And God begins to speak to my heart. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Like, I, 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 I knew you were real, but whoa, like, you're real. And I began to experience the presence of God, the peace of God, and this hunger from the depths of me just rose up. And I said, oh, God, you're what I've been longing for. And I didn't even know it. Like, you're, like, really real, and I just want to know you. Well, then um, God said, I want you to transfer to Baylor University. And at the time, one of those, that was one of the schools that I had applied to, thinking, no way. And God said, transfer. So I came home, and I said, I'm going to transfer to Baylor. My mom said, well, your acceptance letter came while you were gone, so it looks like you're going. See, God told me before I was even accepted. So I show up, and three weeks later, I... I uh, walk in the doors of this church, and I experience the presence of God. I walk in, and, and I, it's like I was back in Mexico in my encounter with God. I'm like, 
wait, these people, they carry the presence of God. Who, who are these people? And, and what I realized as I got to know these people, that they were different. They didn't just believe, they were actually holding to the teachings of Jesus. Just like it says in verse 31, John 8, 31. They were actually holding to his teachings. They were actually disciples of Jesus. Discipleship was a value that they carried. And they knew the truth that was setting them free. You see, we got to understand we need freedom. And, you know, I, I still didn't really understand that in those beginning days, but I knew I wanted something more. Well, a few months into... Um, into walking with this spiritual family, which we are an extension of that spiritual tribe um, and that spiritual family that we came from. Um, and, you know, I realized um, I, I needed the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'd say just to different friends, hey, pre please pray for me. I want to be filled with God's power. I want to know him. I, I want to understand who he is. When I read the scripture, I want it to come alive. And then a few months into that, I got a job. I needed money, and so I became a waitress at one of the local restaurants. Well, um, you know, I, it was a very party atmosphere. A lot of young people were the wait staff, and so, um, you know, they would ask me to hang out with them after work. Hey, we'd love for you to come out, hang out with us. Um, it'll be fun. I said, no, no, no. You know, I figured it wasn't a good crowd for me to hang out with. At that point, I was really trying to align myself with the things of God. And um, eventually, um, I gave in. And I said, okay, I'll come hang out. Well, I quickly found my place, uh, myself in a place of sin. I fell into sin as I hung out with these people that were choosing the ways of the world. And then I realized I'm a captive to my sin. Maybe I'm not at where I thought I was in my heart. 1 John 1, 8 through 10, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. It was becoming clear that I needed to deal with sins in my life. Sometimes we think, oh, man, I don't deal with that until certain circumstances are before us. And they kind of expose places that actually our heart really needs freedom from. God uses circumstances in our life to expose places that he wants to set us free and draw us near to him. You know, ultimately, my, my actions were um, a result of believing a lie. Just our, our heart can hold so many lies that we live under. And as a result, our actions can be fruit of, of the lie that, that we're believing. I was believing a lie in regards to my value. And I was so hungry for my heart uh, the needs of my heart to be met by someone or something. Oh, I was beginning to taste of God's love and hungered more for it, but I was quick to give it away. 
when I had the chance and I needed to be set free in order to give that territory back to God. My next point this morning is that our encounters with God are meant to be partnered with a transformed mind. God has this beautiful story that, you know, just like that season of confessing my my sexual sin, God was wanting to erase that part of my story as I brought it to him and I confessed it and I repented. Repentance is a gift. And so often we think of repentance as a shameful place, but it's actually a gift that we've been given from God in order to draw near to him and receive a greater place of freedom in our lives. We're not to shy away from that place. We're we're to press in as a people of God, and we actually need that gift from him so that he can set us free. And he has encounters along this story for us that are to be, be written by the Spirit of God on the tablets of our heart and written in heaven for us as well. You know, I, as I look back on this encounter in, in Mexico uh, with God, uh, God was speaking truth. Not only did he say, I want you to transfer to Baylor, but first he said, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I have a journey that will be greater than you can, ma- can imagine, but it will cost you everything. See, he, in the encounter with him, he was speaking a truth that was going to set me free from self-strength and making my own way in life. The truth is that God has a plan and a purpose. And like it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, or like it says in Hebrews 12, I have a race marked out for you. The truth is that he had something planned out for me. I I didn't have to go then plan it. It's crazy when I think about my journey. I had an encounter with God here, and then he said, I want you to go move to Central Texas. I'm going to knit you with the spiritual family. I'm going to train you and disciple you, and then you're going to get married, and then I'm actually going to send you back to San Diego to plant a church. He didn't tell me all that. But that's so crazy, right? Looking back, like, I'm back, Lord. Oh, that's so, like, you had that in the plans all the while. But you see, it takes trust in the race. He doesn't want you to see the whole race. It's trusting our Father. It's a journey of intimacy with him. This race is all about him and friendship with God. It doesn't matter what you do in leg 10 as long as it brings him glory. You know, when I was, uh, when I graduated from, from college, I jumped into the training school, just like we have here, School of Transformation. I jumped into the training school because the Spirit of God was leading me to do it. And honestly, I was kicking a little bit. I actually, like, Lord, I don't, really, that's your next step for me? And I jumped into the school because I really made a decision of surrender. God, my life, man, it's not about what I want, God. It's your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. And so I wrestled with that because I'm like, God, really? And he said, yes, that's my next step. So as I obeyed 
the next step, there was another encounter around the corner for me. The first day of our training school, we watched the Father Heart of God video by John Dawson, great Bible teacher. And as he's sharing about God being our father, he's talking about our parents. He said, you know, God gave you your, your parents to care for you. And it's such a gift that God gives us parents to be a reflection of who he is. And yeah, maybe they don't always do a perfect job. They're never meant to be because you belong to him. And, and, and as John said, here's the thing, you never know when an encounter is gonna come. And it was a spirit of revelation was on those words. And as John was saying those words, it was like an arrow to the depths of my being. And just getting up any lie that was attached to them. He said, you belong to God. The truth that I belong to him was now being uh, written on the tablet of my heart. You know, my family was far away. They were in Chicago. It's hard to be far away from family. God wanted me to know that I am not alone. I belong to him. You know, actually, this past year, I had a, a very precious encounter with God in, in my living room. And I was watching, um, last July, I was watching this, um, these seminars on emotional health. And I was kind of doing it in the midst of other things. And so I'd sit and watch and just trust. I just knew God had something for me in these videos. And um, this lady on, you know, we're on Zoom. God can work through Zoom. Um, and this lady is on Zoom, and, and she's sharing about um, this orphan spirit. And I'm thinking, yeah, 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 I know about an orphan spirit. I don't have an orphan spirit. You know, she's talking about the fruit of, of an orphan spirit, you know, self-strength. You kind of feel like you have to do, you always have to make it happen yourself, all these little things. And, and all of a sudden, God just, it's like this tenderness in my heart just comes out. And I'm like, wow, maybe I do at ministry time, maybe I do need to ask God, like, do I have an orphan spirit? Um, and, and so it's ministry time and she invites everyone to stand up and, and she says, um, she says, okay, now we're going to ask God, God, you, you ask God in your living room, in your home, wherever you are, father, do I have an orphan spirit? And I said, father, do I have an orphan spirit? And he says, yes, you do. Now, I mean, guys, we think we've arrived. And, and I just, like, I, I am believing that when I'm in my 60s and 70s, 80s and 90s, or however long I make it, that I will continue to have encounters with God where he sets my heart free. You see, because the journey, the tablet, the story that's written of your life should be one of continual and greater, greater freedom where the glory of God comes upon us. You see, the enemy doesn't, the enemy wants to be your father because he doesn't want God to get glory on earth. And every time you say yes and submit yourself to the truth, the God, the father, it brings glory to God on earth. We are a display of his splendor. Our destiny is to live out here, not in here. And so that day, oh, that day, my jail's falling. Yes, we can knock that down um, at some point, but I still need it. Um, <laughs> but that day, as I asked God, I repented. 
Okay, God actually showed me where I picked it up several years ago on the journey. Okay, life can be hard, and sometimes we want to default to that self-strength and make something happen ourselves. And so where I, he showed me where I picked it up. I repented. I renounced an orphan spirit, and I told it to go in the name of Jesus. And then the next morning... Okay, look, I, I was just trying to do the next thing that God asked. You said, well, didn't you ask for something right away? No, that's all I had from the Lord in that moment. Well, I went to bed, got up, spent time with Jesus, and he said, I want to give you something this morning. And he says, I want to give you the spirit of adoption. God released the spirit of adoption on my heart that morning. God adopted me at 44. Oh, yeah, I had the Spirit of God on my life. But God chose that day when I was ready to receive the Spirit of adoption. Just like it says in Romans 8, you see, it was another encounter that held truth for me that I needed. Romans 8, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. You see, the spirit of daughtership is on my heart. It's been written on the tablet of my heart. And it's important in today's world that we know whether we have the spirit of adoption on our lives or not. Because the enemy is going to try to steal you and make you believe that you're a daughter of lies, of, to the father of lies. But you see, your story is to be one of a spirit of adoption where the Spirit of God comes and writes, writes sonship on your life, and that you can actually reference back to that. Oh, you see, I also have that story from that first day of school. I belong to him. Oh, enemy, I don't belong to you. Although you're trying to bring lies to my life, I don't belong to you. I belong to the Father of truth, and that is God, my Father. Are we going to let the enemy write our story. Or are we going to allow the story of God that's been destined for you, a story of freedom to be written on the tablet of your heart? Well, I have three practicals this morning in response to these points. First of all, okay, so in college I got my BFA. Everyone around here likes to do things in like A's and H's and D's and letters. So my letters are BFA. Okay, so I have three points. You can get your BFA in um, freedom this morning. One, I want you to be real with where you're at. You know, sometimes uh, it's the B, be real. Um, be real with where you're at. Sometimes, sometimes we don't even know where we're at, but we're also sometimes not real with where we're at. And sometimes we come into maybe a spiritual atmosphere and, and the enemy tries to come and think, oh, you better not expose where you're really at because they're going to reject you and think you're a mess. Okay, this is not like a spiritual show here. This is we just want to walk with God and know him. We want to receive his love and give it away. You know, because the freedom that we receive, we're destined to give it away as well. We are called to set the oppressed free. So be real with where you're at. We're all at different legs in the race, in our journey. And we affirm where you're at. And we're cheering you on in the race to be real with where you're at in the journey. 
Sometimes we can also look at the person next to us and just so long for their lot and their journey and their place in the race. And if you do that, you negate the beauty that God has for you on your, your race and the beautiful story that he's writing about you and your process. Number two, we want to foster gratefulness, okay? So we want to be a people that foster gratefulness. Man, this is so huge in our lives. You know, when, when Jesus fed the 5,000, okay, he came and he had to feed 5,000 out of just a few loaves and fishes. And he had to do the same with the 4,000 people. He started with thanks. Man, we come with what we have and we're grateful for it. And that makes way for the miracle in our lives. So often, I, it's just our default to grumble and complain. We so, we have, have needs and we want God to provide. And when it doesn't happen, when we want it to happen, we grumble and complain. And it blocks the very promise that God wants to release you in. Man, I, it's like we judge, we judge the Israelites for them doing that in the desert where they, they get set free and we're like, hello, like the promised land is right there. Like right there. Can't you just not complain? And then we do it in our own stories. Man, we do it in our own stories. I, I mean, we get in a fight with our spouse. We're like, see, Lord, blah, 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 blah. Instead of, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're with me. Thank you, God, for what you have given me. Oh, God, search my heart. Lord, where I'm so quick to put blame, search my heart. Change me, God. Thank you, God. In, in, in the face of a challenge, are we grateful? Do we bring a sacrifice of thanks? Thank you, God, for this opportunity to meet with you. Thank you, God. That this, I believe, actually is going to allow an opportunity for me to have an encounter with you and your truth, and it's going to set me free. We're so quick to point blame, but God wants to do something in us as we're grumbling and complaining, going, okay, hold on, hold on. Something's off here. Maybe my heart health needs a little attention. It might be a lie I'm believing in that heart that's causing me to go around and around this mountain of grumbling and complaining. Number three, we need to use the authority that we've been given as believers. Wow, it's crazy how when we move from uh, being a believer to then being discipled uh, and understand, like holding to the teachings of Jesus and, and diving into his word and understanding, we go, wow, like we have an authority on our lives. Like, wow, like we are awesome. <laughs> Actually, God's awesome. But we, we have this amazing authority on our lives. Matthew 16, 19, it says we actually have power to bind on earth uh, and, and in heaven and loose on earth and in heaven. Let me read a scripture out of 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Okay, let me say that again. We do not wage war as the world does. We are a different people. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments 
And every pretension that self, it sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When you begin to wage a war like the world does, man, already you're going to lose. We're not in a place, in a position to win. You see, we so often think our battle is with flesh and blood. Man, did you hear what they said to me? Man, did you see what happened at work? Oh, I'm going to get my boss. No, you see, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Maybe there has been something painful that has happened to you at work. Maybe your neighbor is always getting promoted and always getting the affirmation, and you're like, God, what about me? What about me, God? Like, don't you see me? Like, I I'm trying to give my life, Lord. And we begin to, to grumble and complain. You know, we're so quick to want to fight and get back. But actually, in, in Romans 12, it says, hey, leave room for God's wrath. Let God deal with that person. You don't need to deal with that person. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. And God gives us the grace to fight the battle differently. You know, maybe that painful thing at work happened and it makes you, when you're real, okay, you start to practice your BFA. Man, Lord, honestly, that's really painful. God, I want to be real with where I'm at in my heart and it just brings up pain. And Father, I just, I, I need you maybe to expose a lie that, that I'm believing. Maybe that lie is I'm not valued. Maybe God speaks and says, hey, the lie that's coming up is I'm, oh, the tape's on the wrong, bummer. I'm not valued. You see, we actually have authority, sorry, to put that lie behind captivity. Sometimes we just let it linger. We, it kind of feels good. You kind of, you know, it's like this off thing. Like, you know what? I like to grumble and complain. It makes me feel good. That's exactly where the enemy wants you to stay, the father of lies. Because you're going to squelch the glory of God that's to come from your life on the backside of getting set free from that lie. You see, the truth is that you do have great value. You do have great worth. You're actually, your value is greater than many sparrows. You see, God's writing your story in heaven. He values you that much to have a book about you. He values that much to actually come down and by his spirit write his story on the tablet of your heart. Oh, you're very valued. You see, that promotion at work has nothing to do with your value. But the enemy tries to make you think that it does. You see, it's in that place of maybe not getting what you want that actually God's going to set you free. It's in that place that becomes an opportunity for, for God to stamp sonship on your life. Despite of a job, promotion, um, you know, sometimes we look to that thing to stamp identity. But that thing can change in a moment. That's a variable. But God's love is never a variable in our life. And it stamps sonship or daughtership on our lives. Maybe you're in conflict, in, in relationship, and, oh, man, it just causes you to want to fight back. 
But actually, I would encourage you to be real and be grateful, foster gratefulness. And then I'd encourage you to use your authority. Sometimes we need to bind a spirit of rejection that's trying to come and eat our lunch. I bind you, spirit of rejection, and I loose you, spirit of adoption, on my life. You have the authority to do that over your heart and over your life. Do you know you have that authority in your life? And something shifts, and I want to say do it again and again and wake up tomorrow and do it again. I bind that spirit of fear that's causing me not to walk out in my calling and my giftings, and I lose the spirit of faith over my life. I don't have to be perfect. This is a journey that God has marked out for me, and He loves me. Sometimes we need to get real with where we're at in the process, and we've been given divine power to demolish strongholds in our life. Maybe you keep coming around the same issue and same issue, and I encourage you, maybe it's a stronghold of fear in your life. Maybe there's a stronghold that might take a whole decade to break down. Are you willing to press in and persevere and see that stronghold come down so that you can experience the freedom that God has for you? Sometimes we get frustrated when the stronghold doesn't come down after one day. And sometimes we get frustrated when the stronghold doesn't come down after 10 years. You're going to give up and let the enemy write your story? You're going to press in and see the freedom that's just on the other side. Beautiful display of the splendor of God on your life. Are you going to be that oak of righteousness that God's called you to to be a display of his splendor in this city, in the city that God calls you to? So this morning, I want you to stand up with me, and we're going to respond to this word.